What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese-American chicken tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back the chase notes podcast we're taping this on a tuesday afternoon uh we're both actually in georgia one of the rare ones where uh my guest is actually um in the general vicinity of where i am it's uh will leach of new york magazine mlb.com author of quite a few books matunian uh i believe is the is the phrase there will good afternoon how are you uh well everything is awesome and fine yeah. here how are things at your neck of the woods everything is running very smoothly uh around here i feel i i don't mean to make lights it's, it's uh everyone is going through uh, a difficult time uh now some people more than others i find it strange when people try to do the uh um, the, my, uh, your misery is not as big as my misery or my misery is bigger than yours or whatever, whatever these things are. Mm. Uh, it's uh, obviously there are some people that are going to be struggling with this more than others, but everybody's going through it. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, I'm very, I feel very lucky to be in the position that I can sit in this house with, house with my children. And my biggest complaint is a, uh, teachers should be paid eighty billion dollars, and because uh, I'm trying to teach these skills with my children with my wife, and B also that my biggest complaint is that like I the the, the odds of them coming in this room during this podcast two or three times are uh, are high. It's all good. Chris uh, Trapasso of CBS Sports was on yesterday. Guess who came in? Kid came in and said, "I wanted to talk on the radio like Dad, like middle <laughs> of the podcast. It's like it is uh, par for the course now. So this is this is fine." Um, how does that work? Because I was thinking about that. Like my parents got lucky on this, I guess, because both of their kids are grown and gone, so they didn't have to deal with this. But like, d you're just the teachers are just are they still communicating with y'all and everybody else? Where it's like, yeah. hey, or yeah. is it just like no, the good teachers, luck? See you no, next the fall. Teach, the teachers are doing their best. You know, the, the, we're a very excellent public school called Barrow here in Athens, and it's an, it's mm. a fantastic public school. And the teachers are great, and they like have morning lessons, and they give us little things to talk about. We've, they've tried to keep the structure of the day. Uh, as close to what it was before as they can, which is to say it completely dissolves around like 1115. <laughs> but up until then, it's almost like a normal work day, uh, school day for them. So, uh, but everyone's saying everyone's doing the best they can. I think we're going to be here for a while. So, uh, uh, I, I no, will actually say Monday. I don't know. Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot. Right. <laughs> sorry. I forgot. It's going to be done by then. Uh, by yes. Easter, we're just going to wipe our magic wand and it'll be over. Um, but I Did do you think see that quote, like what better day on the American resurrection? Like yeah. the branding is already underway. 
The American Resurrection? I can't get over it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't care what that idiot says. I'm staying in my house, and you better stay in your house too. Uh, I assume the 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 of of all the disturbing things about this, to hear that his numbers are going up during this is definitely one of those. You know what? I'm just going to be off Twitter today. Today's going to be a day that I'm not on Twitter. So uh, it's I think pretty that's a good thing for every day, right? Yeah, that, that, like, this is, that's this been is my policy be bad for, for our while. psyche. That's, yeah, that's been that's been a policy for a, a while anyway. But now you know, occasionally. I, I found my I found myself uh, more on uh, uh, Twitter of late as uh, what was the what's the joke that someone put on Twitter the idea that uh, uh, okay everyone I know a lot of you are working at a home so let me give you my strategy for what's been working for me this week 4 a.m pick up phone 2 a.m put phone down go to straight fail to sleep and that feels like kind of accurate what a lot of people are doing but I'm trying to I'm trying my best to keep uh, to uh, to to you know it very much seems to me uh, uh, with all the bad things going on and all the uh, idiocy of the people that are supposedly in charge to help us uh, all I can do is just put one foot in front of the other I'm very taking a very I'm not I'm not a member of AA but I'm taking a very AA attitude about it you just keep keep uh, one foot in front of the other and that's that's all I can take care of how do you explain social distancing to your kid? Because that was something I was thinking about, too, of, like, the kid. Like, we think about the adults struggling with just not going out in groups and all the spring breakers and all that kind of stuff. But if you're, like, seven years old and you're used to recess and seeing your kid, uh, seeing your friends and all that kind of stuff, and then just being like, hey, so you can't go anywhere near any of your friends for a while. Sorry. Yeah, you know, they FaceTime with them a little bit, but uh, they can't hug uh, Baba and Jima. They can't. That, that's the other bit. Those are the oh, two right, big yeah. adjustments they've had to make. Uh, we're hoping that uh, if we keep that in the circle, that's something in like two or three weeks we'll be able to stop. We know where my parents have been. We know where I've been. Once we get three weeks in, I feel like we'll be comfortable letting them hang out a little bit more. But um, – uh, well, no one else. Everyone else is just a stranger, and they must be run away. Uh, but I would say that um, uh, it's hard, you know. But the ki- the kids are keeping us sane, you know. Like they're, uh, it's amazing, you know. Most kids, you meet their teachers. We just had parent teacher conferences, and the teachers were telling us, uh, like, wow, your children, like, just so you know, like William and Wynn, that's their names, uh, are wonderful, wonderful kids. We just they they're exemplars of the class, and we're like, wait, the, the, these two. Like these two kids are the ones you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't believe. I was like, that can't be right. That they, they must be confused because they're not like that at home. And I feel like I understand it now. They they've really just been awesome, and they've kind of kept us level uh, in a way that uh, has been kind of difficult to do. So uh, that's that's the advantage. It turns it turns out. I totally like my kids. <laughs> it totally okay. turns out that too. It helps out. Uh, ask me in a month, though. I was gonna say. Like when summer comes around and when kids are like, okay, this weather's perfect. I'm going outside. I'm done with school. Done with all of this. Now, to be uh, fair, this is another advantage of, you know, I left New York uh, a few years ago. Uh, We have a backyard. They can go out and play basketball. They can go out and go play. Like like we have a yard where like there's no other kids that are going to come in our yard. So we can – we're able to get them outside, which is a definite advantage. I know I've met many friends in New York in addition to all the other terrible things that are going on in New York right now. That they're stuck in like this little apartment, <laughs> and they and they're they're they they can maybe go out and walk through the hallway for a little bit. But they, other than that, we at least can get them outside. The weather's getting nicer; they can at least go outside a little bit. But uh, uh, and I'm able to go out for a run, and because nobody uh, and I don't really run anybody on my runs anymore, so uh, that's got fine. But uh, to be able to get your up, wife shine, right? Yeah, what's that? You you steal your wife's oh, shine yes, on your yes, runs yes, because my my wife my wife gets up and runs at five o'clock in the morning and I run more normal time at like ten thirty in the morning but everybody sees me so because I run through a main drag so they always are going to her like hey I saw your husband running like she runs farther than me she's in better shape than me but she. <laughs> actually more dedicated than me so people think that i'm the uh, people think that i'm the fit one in the family though i think just looking at us should make it clear that's not the case interesting um but that's also from your newsletter that uh you're doing daily now uh what made you want to do that what made you want to get people's stories and post those on a, a daily basis you know i this it's so rare that you find actual universal things anymore and of course this even even this has now become everybody kind of going into their corners uh, or more accurately uh, some people seeing what's going on and other people hiding in their corners and pretending <laughs> it's not what's going on but certainly um there is hard to find kind of universal experiences like this uh, to me you know it seems pretty clear that this is something that obviously everyone involved with is going to remember the rest of their lives i was in new york city on 9 11 i was 24 years old 
20, yeah, 24 years old. And, and uh, I remember vividly every part of that in a way that like still will come back to me sometimes. And it's just uh, at the moment it was happening, like, oh, this is something I will remember for the rest of my life and every way that I'm feeling right now. And this clearly, I think, uh, is one of those things as well. And it affects everyone. It affects everyone in different ways. It um to me, you know, I mean, and, and it affects everyone in waves. Like now, uh, like last week, you know, we were talking about the, uh, Tom Hanks has it. Oh my gosh. And now I know people that have it. I, like, I, like, I, like to me that that's going to be everyone's reality. I think in coming weeks, everyone's, it's not going to be, you know, here's a, here's, you know, Daniel Day Kim has it or, uh, or Marcus Smart has it. It's going to be people that you know. And, uh, and, and I think that, that you know, I, that kind of universal experience that affects everyone is pretty, pretty rare. And I think that ev- I remember one thing I was, uh, uh after nine 11, I was at my friend, uh, my, I reached around the black table, which was my old site back then. We were all over kind of the headquarters of the black table. And, um, and my friend, I was talking to my friend Aileen and one of our friends was acting really erratically. And we were talking, we're like, you know what, there's no actual wrong way to react to this. And, yeah. uh, and I, for the record, I think that's true as long as you don't broadcast your wrong things over social media and make other people <laughs> think that your wrong things are there. But I think everybody reacts to this in their own way. Everyone reacts to it in, uh, in you know, struggling, trying to figure out their way through it. Uh, and it's something that's both universal but incredibly personal. So I thought uh, – so I've been uh, soliciting a bunch of stories. I think they're helping me to learn – You know, to, uh, the one was coming out today. We've got someone from Ethiopia uh, writing about what it's like to be in Ethiopia during this. We've got someone uh, whose uh, wife is um, – is uh, they had the infectious disease team to, for her, for their state. So uh, to what what it's like for a guy that was like hard charging salesman guy married to an epidemiologist, all of a sudden is uh, like still trying to work at a home, has these two kids, and they see mommy on television telling everybody to stay the fuck inside at mm. six, at six the news every day. So it is. Uh, uh, those are the type of stories that I find very compelling because uh, they're univer- they're they're personal, but they're universal. And to me, that I think that's what makes the best story is uh, when the details are so specific that it feels like we all have lived them and understand it. Yeah, and I think what's interesting too about your style and your newsletters and stuff like that, I I've never really been all that comfortable opening up like that about my own stuff. Like I'm very comfortable writing about uh, sports and like what I'm watching on TV and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's very easy um, being a critic of other people's work um, and other, and what's going on around me. I've never been great at um, just being like, you know what, here's what I think about this personally. And here's what's going on here. And I am going to write myself through this and see what happens and what you guys think. That's all fine. Your newsletter every week before you went to the daily stuff um, it's very personal opening up about your entire just personal life and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I, has that always been easy for you? Because I wonder for sports writers in general, um, how easy that is to make that kind of not transition, but to kind of really change gears and not talk about why the Cardinals are going to win the AL, uh, the NL central, but, uh, no, why I'm struggling with this at home. Uh, you know, I feel like I hope it, uh, I, I never want it to be like a diary, you know, for me, mm. the, the whole point of it is not dissimilar to the daily stories uh, for about what everyone's going through now, which is the idea that everybody has had these experiences. Everybody like, you know, I, I always think of my favorite movies. My favorite movies are stuff like Moonlight or The Tree of Life or movies that are actually uh, Transformers 3. Transformers 3, yes. Like movies that have nothing to do with my life whatsoever. I do not share any of the people's experience in that movie. Um, Boyhood would be another example of this. I know I'm not like any of the one anyone in the movie. They have Their lives are nothing at all like me and their personalities are not, are not like mine. But I feel like I'm living those movies when I watch them because they're so specific. And, beca- and when you are so specific about a feeling or a thought process uh, and you're honest about it, I feel like that's something that everyone could understand and therefore it feels like something that they felt because um it feels genuine and so for me i actually find that stuff easier to write mm-hmm. than than sports because sports uh, i love writing about sports but i don't like i'm I don't like the way that most people write about sports and i say i said someone i love a lot of great sports writing but i i mean i honestly like my opinion on Tom Brady going for the bucket to the Buccaneers is, oh, that'll be kind of interesting to watch. 
But like, I don't have any other deeper thoughts about that. I don't have any. Well, is it because I, you haven't explored it and been like, okay, well, let me look at the fit. Let me look at his weapons versus what he's doing. Oh, in I'm England. curious like, about that. I'm curious about that. But I'm not curious about what this says about Tom Brady's legacy or what this says oh, about yeah, Bill yeah, Belichick. The, like, the I just don't profound, care. Yeah, I just like, this I is bigger than yeah, sports kind of. Thing. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. about that stuff. And and uh, no, forget better, better, bigger than sports. It's just a uh, here is this guy on this side, and here's that this person on that side, and let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's let's debate it. And uh, or let's uh, or and listen, I understand. Wow, shots fired Brady, first take. Yes, and 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 you know, I listen. Brady signing with uh, the the Buccaneers was it was like a uh, basically like a um, you know a, a stimulus package for like sports talk radio. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like they clearly they there was it was a there was they made it was one trillion or two trillion or however much they were going to do, but it was pork and it was pork that everybody needed. And I yeah. understand that. Um, and I understand. That. And listen, I get I love sports. I just don't think sports is some big moral thing. Like I don't like, I don't, I don't, I think the Astros thing uh, was silly and no big deal. Like I think they were punished. Really? I do. I think they were punished and they deserve to be punished. But I also don't think that there's some sort of, uh, uh, that all of a sudden the soul of the game is in some sort of issue or, or uh, how, how could these terrible people have done this terrible thing? They're baseball players. They're going to try to cheat. They have tried to cheat forever. They got caught. They did something that they shouldn't have done. They're getting punished. We can argue whether they should have gotten punched a little bit more i can i think you can make a pretty good argument they should have got punched a little bit more but the idea that uh it feels like a lot of the fury in this is very social media generated it becomes mm. uh you you can't just sit and say yeah they got punished like the like come on I get no points uh, if I go on social media and say, you know what? I actually think that uh, the Astros are a bunch of jerks. I'm really glad they got punished. And uh, okay, now I'm actually kind of ready to watch some baseball. Like, I, like, like there's no, there's no, you know, there's no uh, measured in that idea. I think the Astros story is still, I wrote about this for New York Magazine about how, like, I, to me, I love the Astros scandal because it's actually about baseball. Like, hmm. it's not like, it's not like everyone yelling about steroids or yelling about CBAs. This is about people who were trying to win a game and using methods that were, that were illegal and they were punished for it. And we can, we can argue whether they should be punished for it or not, how much they should, should have been punished more. But to me, like that felt like a story where everyone just yelled at each other. And those yeah. are just, those are just not my favorite. I just don't like the stories. Like those, those aren't that feels like, like every sports story now. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's hard to write about sports because it's. It, it, but you it, don't have to engage, right? Like you have I, your I, thought, you think it out. You, I, agree. I mean, you no, stay I, away from that. You post it, and you're like, "Good luck." That's what you're I, doing in New York Magazine and everything else, anyway, right? Like I you, agree. It, no, I agree. But like you know, I would say that like I that that is has always been the way that I've written about sport. Mm. Uh, I will confess, uh, it does not seem that um, that is increasingly the style. Right. <laughs> and um and that's fine. That's okay. Every 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 uh st- everyone has their own opinion on how things should be. But I don't know how to write that way because I don't like talking about sports that way. I don't find sports interesting in in this as as all some sort of a uh, of a uh, uh, vessel for um for uh, arguments that are often uh, insincere and I'm just trying to score points or I'm trying to dunk on you or all of those things. It just seems that's Twitter, right? Yeah. And that's part of the reason that I, I I'm just amazed because I'm not someone who tweets out my sports opinions or takes or anything like that. Even my political takes all that often. Like I'm very limited in what I post other than my, like just my personal podcast and what I'm writing about. Um, I just see people engage all day long. And part of me is like a disappointed dad where I'm like, I'd rather you just like write about this. Like the time you've spent just quote tweeting each other and having like this back and forth with these limited characters. What if you just wrote a long piece about this for somewhere? Like I would would, read it. Yeah. Get the little endorphin hits of, uh, of everyone responding and coming back to you. And I think it's one of the reasons that everyone is insane now Yeah, because they're all going for this like short little hit. I feel obliged to point out, by the way, you do not get money for likes. I'm not trying to be like old guy here, but you, I would understand if you got like a dime or a nickel or for something. Okay. (laughs) That's something to, to go and then try to try to put some money in there and see if you can get a hit. I get that. But the idea that like, like it's it's all endorphins and it's all just it's all about whatever I can get right now and it just seems so, and I, and it's a shame. You know, one of the things that's very frustrating to me. Uh, I wrote a story about Twitter for New York Magazine in two. The, I literally was in Twitter's offices the day that Sully Sullenberger's pl- plane crashed in the Hudson, and, mm. uh, and so I watched that story get broken. That was so long ago that to put a picture on Twitter, you had to use a separate app called TwitPic, and you had to link to that. <laughs> 
from there, it's funny if you see all the tweets from that time. It's like, oh my gosh, plane just landed in the Hudson, and it says Twit Pick Broken Link. <laughs> like it's just, it's all just like they didn't have it figured out then. Uh, but what was amazing to me about it was, you know, it was an incredible communication device. Like if you take a step back from it, my. God, I, if I if I see something that's going on in the world, I can type this little machine and everyone on the planet can see it within a millisecond. Like it's amazing. That is an incredible thing. But then we put numbers on it. And when you put numbers on it, just like so so many of the things that are worse about the internet since before everyone got obsessed with numbers and clout and all of that sort of – and we let all the money idiots in is – it, you've taken like what it was an incredible communication device and you've turned it into a dick measuring contest <laughs> and, and you, you know you've turned it into look how look at my engagement I oh I didn't get enough engagement on that who gives a shit it's your individual personal thought what do you care and uh, of, of whether a group of random strangers that you know nothing about have decided that they approve of your thought and and I think what it's done is it's led to uh, this uh, uh, people dig in and they yes. get like absolutely self-assured people that i know are more critical thinkers than that and i know have uh, are, are more flexible in their regular lives but th there's something about the medium that makes you want to be certain and i'm sorry maybe I, maybe i'm wrong and maybe i'm just a weak one but when i go to bed at night i don't think wow everything i did and said today was right and if everyone disagreed with me, what an asshole. Like that's not a thought that I have in my head. I don't right. think it's a thought that anyone has in their head when they go to bed. But I think the way that this vessel – the way that that is set up, it is set up for people to, to be not only – uh, strong in their opinions, but unyielding in their opinions. And that to me, opinions are great. I love, I write my opinion all the time. I think there's nothing wrong with having opinions, but I, I do think that like part of the contract uh, when you're in some sort of realm of communication is the idea that maybe you're wrong. Like maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm Which wrong. Is okay, and that's yeah, the other thing like, that Twitter totally doesn't fine. help is it's that like, it's okay to be wrong. It's not just okay; it is totally good for you. Yes. It is great to be wrong, and 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 to me that that's what I find so strange is people are so afraid that they're going to be wrong or to be or someone's going to disagree with them, and so they'll find people who are like, "Well, you agree with me, right? Well, you agree with me. Well, you're on my side, right?" And they all gather together, and they and 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 now everyone's in Slack rooms, and they're all like, they all have their in jokes, and then bring them out to the real world. And and it feels like it's all it's done is made these little little factions of the world where it's not people who are like minded. It's people. Uh, excuse me. It's not people who who are have a common goal or have some sort of. Um, uh, it's not really a publication anymore. It's just people that have all decided. Oh, you agree with me. Let's gang up on the people who don't yeah. on every side. And to me, that is what is very frustrating. Even when I agree, like, listen, I would say that a lot of the people that do this, I agree with them. I am on their side. I, I believe in what they're saying is generally right. But the idea that like, uh, like it's like, I, of course, like Chase, you and I are different human beings. You were not raised as a clone of the exact same DNA as me alongside of me having the exact same life experience as me. And, uh, and so therefore you and I are not going to agree on every single thing in the world. Right. That is totally fine. Like for, that's not just totally fine. That is obviously what humanity is. And so when you see that to me, that's the thing that, just, that is so frustrating is the idea. It's, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to have, to have open disagreement. And I yeah. feel that uh, uh, that tendency against that is the thing that's making everything uh, uh, that and, and, you know, viruses, those are also ruining a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, I, I, that is to me the frustration. So that's what I mean about the idea that like, I find being involved in that sports marketplace uh, is difficult for me because it's not my brain, the way my brain works. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't have the idea. Like when I sit down to watch a game, this is crazy. And I'm not saying I'm right about it. Like, this is just the way, this is the way my personality is. When I sit down and watch a game, if I have a thought, my first thought after I've had that thought is, oh, I must share this with people. Like, it's okay. I just had my own little private thought and maybe I'll say it to the person in the room with me. Do you write me. anything down? Do you take notes when you watch games? Uh, no, not really. Not See, really. I take notes on everything. And uh, I should. I used to. I I I, I didn't do that because whenever I reviewed movies, I always felt it was uh, uh, cheating to do that a little yeah, bit. How does that work? I've always wondered about that with some you and everyone else. Some, you don't. So 
You don't I, take notes. I don't take notes. Some people take notes. I don't take notes just because if uh, I'm to me, I feel like my job as a movie critic and really as someone writing about sports is to kind of be the ideal viewer and to experience it the way that the people I'm writing for experienced it, which is they just sat down and watched the movie and did not stop, pause and take a note and try to get and or, oh, I had a clever line. I have to write down that clever line. Why didn't you miss something in the movie? To me, I feel like I want to experience the movie the way that the people I'm writing. Do you watch it back <laughs> after? Because you could do that. I know people who do that with TV, like a lot of T- TV critics will watch I, it through one time recap, and then take notes the second time. If I were doing a recap, I would probably do that. Uh, I used to when I first started New York Magazine. Uh, I thought I was I would just said yes to everything. So mm-hmm. like like hey, can I recap twenty four? I'd love to. I love that show. Can I recap twenty four for you guys? They're like, well, you're like a contributing editor to the magazine with a column <laughs> every week. But sure, dumbass, if you want to go recap twenty four every week. And uh, so then I would maybe take notes just to make sure I got details right. But on the whole, I feel like my job is to write about what the experience of being at the game is or watching the game is or being a fan of the sport or watching this movie is and i feel like once you take notes like for interviews i take notes and if i'm like writing a long feature story i'll take notes but for me if i'm reviewing a movie or writing specifically about a one game incident i tend to not take notes too much i i'd rather i'll go back and check things and make sure that I've I've gotten a quote right, or I've gotten I've gotten this character name right, or this player's name spelled correctly. But the idea of taking notes at the time, I feel like when you do that, you're all you're doing you're doing that more for uh, yourself to make sure. Oh, this is a great funny line I had. I don't want to forget. Well, let me tell you, that's not why I do it. Okay, there's a reason I, why I do it, and it's changed the way I, I look at things. And like, I have severe ADD, where if I have my notepad and my pen with me. I am so much more engaged and I could tell you so much more about what I watched and what I did than if I did not. Like it actually keeps me engaged. I understand that. It's tough. I totally understand that. And that, and that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. And, and I, and, and it's just really just kind of their own thing. And to, and to me, I'm someone that like happily and giddily sat down and watched the Irishman in one setting and had no trouble. So, really? you know, I, yeah, I don't, I, I, this is, you know, I don't, I, to me, the, the point of go watching a sporting event or going to a movie is to escape is to yeah. get away from these things. Uh, life is scary. Life is hard. I, that's why I love sports and why I love movies is cause I, for, for like, however long I'm watching this, I, I'm not, you know, Will Leach, the idiot who stays away at night thinking, thinking how wrong he is all the time. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm, I just get to live in the world of the Irishman or live in the world of the NBA Finals Game Six or those sort of things. For me, that is, uh, th- that's why another reason I'm bad at Twitter is I don't feel, I don't need uh, um, other people to vindicate my thoughts on these things. I, I'm happy just watching it and enjoying it and not thinking, Oh, I wonder what people will think. Uh, if, if, uh, if I say this, I always remember being at a uh, game six, I think uh, it was at Fenway park of the 2013 world series. And Dave, that was the, or, or the world series where David Ortiz was insane. Like just was absolutely out of control against my Cardinals. And he hit a home run off Michael Waka when Waka was, you couldn't touch Waka and he had a home run. And it was incredible. It was over the monster opposite field, just Ortiz, just classic, just the, the one of the greatest, most likable baseball players of the last 30 years doing having like a peak moment in baseball. And I was sitting out in the in the auxiliary boxes in right field and I looked over and everyone was fucking staring at Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, guys, you're here. You are here. Watch what happened. What the hell are you doing? And but and to me that 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 was seven years ago. That's a, a instinct that's not abated with people since then. So uh, I would say that uh, that's why I struggle with it sometimes. Is uh, you know I'm I'm writing about a uh, for an ideal patient. Um, reader who is looking for perspective and something entertaining to read and uh um i i think there's all i think there's tons of those people i still think there's plenty but i i understand that there is a temptation to uh to be more quick hit and to be more uh pile on and jab and it's and uh, i i tried it briefly and i'm like yeah, i don't this is not who i am i feel like i would be very much pretending to be something that i'm not i i i did not uh uh, you know, go through this entire career to to get to a certain level and be like, yeah, you know what? I tweet now. That's all I really care about. That's that's what I have to do. I got to get my clout score up. I got to get my points. Like I just I don't care about that stuff. And pretending that I did, uh, I I think would be a disservice not only to uh, anyone who reads me, but frankly to myself. 
So Will Leach is not going to be a social media team manager anytime oh, soon. Exactly. I have worked with social media team managers, and they get very irritated with me. <laughs> and I'm and I'm very I do my best. I'm, I certainly don't go on these polemics with them. I understand everyone's just trying to do their job. I get it. I, I and I think particularly for a lot of people starting out in the business, that's generally kind of how you have to get started out. I totally understand. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm happy to change with the times. In a lot of ways, I have. I've done uh, the idea that I would uh, do as much TV stuff of, uh, as I do now is something I never thought I'd ha- I never had any interest in, never thought I would care about. Um, and, and But I feel like it's just something you kind of have to do to kind of stay in the game a little bit. Uh, and I've gotten comfortable with it. For me, doing that idea, I look at like Drew, I look at Drew McGarry, and I'll look and like it'll be like, like I'll get up at six thirty in the morning and I'll look at my phone like everybody else does. And I'll look at my phone and like Drew's been tweeting for like yeah. an hour and a half and, and it's fine. That's great. There's nothing, I'm not criticizing him. That's fine. But I, I just, I never like, I just don't, that, urge that you have to have. I think Spencer Hall's the same way. These like very, very smart guys who have many, who have good perspectives and have things to write. They have that button, that need to, to just fill the space with stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I can't I, do that. I, and I don't, it. I, I, I don't, do I just don't. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I think trying to do that would be, uh, trying to be something that I'm not. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if that's good for me as a young, uh, sports or whatever i am now i don't know what to call myself anymore what am i i am a because i don't like blogger i don't like any of the terminology used to describe what i do right now yeah, just, it's just, tough to explain to my parents too yeah yeah it's still it's still tough to explain to my parents <laughs> it's been doing this for 25 years so i understand yeah um do you spend more time watching movies or sports Oh, sports. Uh, no question. Sports. Uh, yeah, for me, because uh, for, for me to like all casually watch a sporting event, I kind of can't casually watch a movie. Uh, I if I watch a movie, even a terrible movie, I sit down and I feel like I, I, I owe that movie uh, the courtesy of my attention and my time. So uh, uh, for me, uh, if I watched movies with the intensity that I watch sports, I wouldn't have time to watch sports. <laughs> sports, hmm. sports, you can, sports, you can, uh, you can dabble in sports a little bit. You can check in on sports a little bit. Uh, I would say, and there's, and uh, frankly, you know, the uh, I am during when it's not baseball season. Like there are there are certain sporting events I will never miss. I will never miss an Illinois men's basketball game ever, 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 ever. I will like I will, not missed one. I, I it's been. I think I missed a uh, when I was covering the Olympics in Sochi. I remember getting up at like two in the morning to catch to catch them. Like they were terrible that year. They were like losing at Minnesota by like twenty. That game, they're gonna get killed. But like I love you know that to me. Grow, you know, grow, in my hometown, Illinois basketball was the Yankees. You know, so mm. they uh, they that to me, I just don't miss those games, and uh, if, if at all possible, I think I usually there's usually like one. I miss a year, and even then, that's the only time I reason I missed it is because I've because of a DVR failure or I couldn't get the alerts off my phone fast enough. Um, but uh, yeah, so there are certain teams I never ever miss. But as for hmm. sports, sports for me, I'm a fan. You know, I mean, like the I I am not one of those people that were like, oh, I I don't root for any team. That's bullshit. I'm rooting for the Cardinals, and I'm rooting for mm-hmm. the Illini, and I'm rooting for the Knicks, and I'm rooting for the Blues. I'm rooting for Atlanta United. I'm rooting for my teams. I can't. Take I can't pull that part out of me. I don't understand how people can, frankly, uh, and still have the passion for the writing that that uh, and the passion for the sports that they have anyway. If Georgia was playing Illinois in the Rose Bowl, who would you be cheering for? Illinois. Oh, no question. Okay. No question. Illinois. I mean, uh, I I would say that uh, uh, it's worth noting. There's context to that. Uh, I've always joked that if Illinois ever plays Georgia in a bowl game, it means everything went incredibly for Illinois and terribly for Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so but there's no question. Though. I mean, I'm I'm Illinois. You know, I mean, I I have season tickets to Georgia basketball. I go to season tickets to Georgia football. I go to all the games here. I can walk from my home. I mean, back when. You know, you could leave and see people. Mm-hmm. I, could, uh, I, I could walk my home and go to those games. So it's very important. I love that. I could take my kids. We have three courtside seats to Georgia basketball. Anytime you're watching a Georgia basketball game, look for me and two little people. We're always right there at, at, at all the games. But um, uh, do I, I was I, Anthony I, Edwards in person this year. 
He is um, uh, incredibly impressive until he disappears for like 10 minutes and then he'll like do something like, oh, right, that guy's incredible. And then he'll disappear. Oh, no, he's Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Well, yeah, to be fair, he is li- he is like 19. He's a year early. Like he mm-hmm. is, he very much feels like Andrew Wiggins right now. He's also not, like Andrew Wiggins is like 27 now. <laughs> like Wiggins should have figured this out by now. Uh, oh, Edwards is really young. And uh, uh, and just incredibly talented, but still really young and uh, uh, lacks off a lot on defense. But he's also, you know, he reclassified. So he came in a year earlier. He technically should have been a high school senior this year. You can tell that a lot. Uh, his, play, his, his teammates love him. Uh, he's not like this divisive character. They all love him. They all love being around him. I was there, there at the game when they played Kentucky this year, and Trey Young was there and uh, talking about how he wanted to play with and like motioning at him from the they side. Have the same agent now. Yeah, yeah. So it was really fun. Like you know, I mean, yeah. I mean that kind of excitement. Uh, uh, I'm glad Georgia got one year of that, even if they did not uh, uh, do a lot with it. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I, I root for those teams, but, but if, if I, if Illinois is playing Georgia, I, I've been a clue to everyone in the section. If Illinois would ever play at Georgia in a basketball game, I will be wearing orange and blue and everyone will just think it's Auburn. But yeah. here's my fun orange and blue story, by the way, here's mm. my orange and blue story. So I was coming, walking, coming back from the, uh, 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 it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I was flying back from New York city to Atlanta. And as I got on the plane, the, um, uh, the stewardess, uh, the flight attendant said, Shaq's on this plane, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, he's on this plane. And, and like, she was like saying it to everyone. Cause I feel like that's one of those things when you're Shaq, like everybody in the airport knows that Shaq is in the airport. Cause obviously mm-hmm. he's big, but he's also a huge personality. So, um, anyway, so I, so I got off the, so I, so I was, I was like, yep, there's Shaq. That's awesome. And so then I got off the plane. I was wearing a line I hat. And uh, I walk, I walk, I'm walking my bag out, and Shaq is ahead of me, and he stops to talk to someone. And as I go by, I hear him go, "Auburn sucks. Auburn sucks." <laughs> and so I look around. I'm like, "Hey, actually, this is Illinois. This is Illinois." And he sees me, and he goes, "Hey, are you the Deadspin guy?" And the thing that's amazing with that is not, not that he knew me because like he'd seen. me on television or was a big fan of deadspin because seven about six years earlier i had interviewed him for new york magazine for about an hour in the mm. at the turner studio in atlanta interviewed him for about an hour and we talked a little bit about deadspin at the end and we wrote the story it was fine i never thought about it again and then six years later having had no interaction with me in any way shape or form and no reason to know who i am at all remembered my face from that interview six years ago now imagine what kind of skill like i can't do that and nobody cares about about me. Imagine Shaq doing that. The number of people that Shaq meets every single time anyone ever meets Shaq, it's like the biggest thing that's happened to them in like a year. And Shaq, with all the people that stop him in airports and all the things that he does, he remembered my face, which was not a particularly memorable interview from six years earlier. And on one hand, I want to be like, wow, Shaq is awesome. What a great guy. On the other hand, what a unique torture that must be to be able to remember every single person when you're Shaq. I can't remember every single person I meet now, and most nobody cares when they meet me. Imagine being Shaq and having to remember that many people. I, 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 to me, it's another example why celebrities are 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 different than you and I. I um, I, I'm definitely one of those people who I will remember your face. I won't remember your name. Are you like that, or are you the other way? You oh, remember I, names better than faces because I'm awful I, with names now. I remember faces and not names. I never yeah. remember names, and and I know this is a common complaint, but seriously, never ever be one of those people that comes up say you don't remember my name, do you? You don't remember my name. Like they think that's a, gr- that's a terrible way to start a conversation. Anyway, not just that you think that you're insulting the person, but you are insulting yourself. That right. is exactly what you're doing right there. So it's always a it always, it's always a weird way to uh to uh to handle that situation. Yeah. Um, so you wrote about how screwed every sports season is. Uh, I would go. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say uh, I. I certainly think uh, it's funny how like the NFL and the WNBA are probably the most well positioned, uh, just because of the timing of the seasons. Remember, I did not realize that the WNBA actually had already carved out a month of its season for the Olympics anyway, and now of course there mm. are Olympics, yeah. so they actually. They can weather a delay better than some some other, and they hadn't even started yet. So they right. can weather a delay. Uh, I actually feel 
you know, if you look at what the, the Korean Basketball League is doing or the Japanese Baseball League is doing, they've been able to actually get the sports back in about a couple of months. They still some they don't have fans, but they've got it back in a couple of months. And um, I think that could have been on the table for us. Uh, but um, that I think it may already be too. I mean, pro Wrestling's doing that right now. They're still doing shows with no fans. Yeah. Every and week. I- yeah, and I and I I think I'm not sure that how long that's going to continue. We'll see what happens. I mean, listen, they're doing WrestleMania this week. They're taping I, it. I know they are, but like again, you know, let's see what happens when Vince doesn't care. If there was ever a very Trump-like sports figure, it's uh, Vince McMahon. I think he is going because he wrote about this too. The UFC yeah. with Dana White and having that kind of guy. I think Vince is actually more Trumpian than Dana White. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, well, I mean, I think they certainly have a closer connection. I don't yeah. think question about that but eventually that's i mean i don't want to get dark on this podcast and but i mean the next couple of weeks <laughs> i think are going to be pretty harrowing for a lot yeah. of people and uh regardless of whether or not you can i do think there's going to be a certain okay we need to not be doing this right I now think we're going the other way i don't maybe like, i don't know cuban's I, comments this week um where he just thinks it's going to be up and running by june like people that means that they're going to start practicing stuff in a month or less like maybe, maybe I, I don't know i, I think they're going think, to go the other way i think that is partly and and again maybe this is me being dire i think that is partly because the real shit has not hit yet yeah and um and when the real shit does uh i think it's going to become more and more clear how much of an emergency footing we should have been in two weeks ago, but we'll have to be then. And uh, I just think that's going to be one of those little things that uh, uh, we're going to look back at. uh, And, uh, uh, and I just think that it's going to be hard to justify it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, But I think that uh, we are, I, I know that there is a push among certain people to get back going and to get everything back on schedule. Uh, I think that is, in my opinion, that is a privilege of um, of not of things not getting near as bad as they're about to. And I think once that happens, and again, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want things to be bad, but I think uh, it, it, when when it gets as bad in the next couple of weeks as it looks like it might, I just think. Stuff like that's gonna feel weird, to be honest. But uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Hopefully, I'm wrong. But uh, I, um, maybe you know, you're not gonna leave this well. I don't have a take because I have <laughs> no idea. It's okay not to have a take. People it's are okay, just no, like no, no. this. Goes back to like our beginning conversation where it's just like people are speaking from so certain terms on Twitter about both yeah. sides and everything, and I'm just like, fuck. I just I don't know. Yeah, I really I have either. no idea. Every day is a new day of just like okay, oh. sure. And, and Maybe we, and reality is shifting so constantly, and yeah, it's it's a uh, it's not my favorite time uh, in my life to be honest. But uh, everyone's doing it the best they can, so we're hanging in the best we can. I um, I think it's interesting. Ethan Strauss had this tweet uh, a couple days ago about football is when things get real. Like people can live without basketball, people can live without baseball. Sorry, Will. Um, people can live without MLS. People cannot live without football. And if this country misses games, like I just think about, I mean, you mentioned that NFL is positioned to be okay, but like college, like with transfers, recruiting, I mean, spring practice is getting canceled. If they can't work out the summer, like those, they already have limited amount of time to be with the kids. Um, What that football season looks like with everybody of just not having practice time, then just having a season. Um, If this goes out into June and July, like what does that look like? How do you start on time when, players just aren't acclimated and there's just so many different transfers and all that kind of stuff um that's when we're going to experience real problems is if football games get moved or if the nfl gets canceled or anything like that where the nfl is just moving along like everything's fine they're signing everybody like you said they had tom brady and that was great um just cam newton getting released today there's all kinds of news the nfl is still king but if they're ever like we're still too soon from getting to the point where we're like, oh no, the NFL might actually not happen this year. Um, I I think that's true. I don't think a lot of adults and sports fans, especially in the South, can handle like no college football. Like that just being gone. That they're just like, nope, taking the risk. Like that guy in Fox News last night. Nope, no. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go down because I need this in my life. Oh, there's no. I mean, like literally, it's been a week people <laughs> like it's been a week and people are losing their minds and i get right. it it's hard it's totally hard but like 
that's sorry, <laughs> but like that is uh, uh, to to see the uh, cultural impatience, uh, uh, and I get it. Like I'm not saying that like the everything shut down like this is very scary for the economy. It should be scary for all of us. But uh, a unchecked nationwide pandemic that overruns every aspect of our healthcare system and continues to run act unchecked is much worse <laughs> and is much worse economically. And I think that is, uh, I think that's, uh, I, I, that's why it's frustrating to write about how long our sports are going to come out because what you're really saying is how long until things can get back to normal. And, uh, I think one that uh, it's going to be a while, and two, we may have to reevaluate our definitions of what precisely normal is, and uh, that to me, that's the scary part. And not only are we way too early to be figuring that out, we're way too early to be this cabin have this much cabin fever and this desperate to do stuff. And I think uh, it bodes poorly. Uh, if we're having this much trouble, that's already. what I think. And like my mom's already struggling trying to keep my dad. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what it's like with uh, your parents, but like, I, they're not going to put up with this for months. They're just not <laughs> like I, they can. My mom, God bless her, love her to death. She can only do this for so long. Like it's just well, it's not going to happen. I mean, that, I mean, that's. I mean, that's. That exact mindset, which I think you probably is an element of truth for, uh, that's why it's going to be worse here. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I know that, like, it's there. We all have that. This is kind of what I mean about the WWE thing is we all have this, like, mindset of, like, well, oh, I mean, we just can't do this. I mean, we just got to keep going. But no, you don't. You don't. And you're about to find out why. And I think that is, uh, that's the hard part uh, for me to watch all of this happening is, uh, I agree. It's hard for my parents too. It's hard for, and I'm having to, to wrangle them up and I'm having to, and I see people that I know that are getting antsy and trying to push the limit a little bit here mm -hmm. and push yes. the limit a little bit there. And that I, and I get it. There's something very much in the American character to not be cooped up like this, but uh, a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's what I mean. That's why it's like that right there. And the fact that there is no actual executive leadership saying – like last thing on this. I remember when I lived in uh, New York in 9-11, Rudy Giuliani, hardly you know, the, my, the, the most uh, eloquent, uh, reasonable person. Um, but the thing that he said then – people I, – I watched went back and watched David Letterman's uh, post-9-11 uh, episode. And he, one of the thing, big things he did was he praised Giuliani. That feels very weird to say, see in 2020 because Giuliani is such a lunatic. But the thing that Giuliani did at the time – was he like with everything going on he said two things the losses are going to be more than we can bear and more importantly go north he gave clear directions he said go north and, and we were all like and everyone's stunned and terrified and worried They're like go north i could do that i could go north i'll go north and it and it, it was it was what we needed like you needed to hear get the fuck away from there get out this is the thing that you have to do during this time and when you have someone who is feckless and confused and not paying and, and impatient you have mixed messages across the board and that is also contributing to this problem so i do think there's something in the character of Americans that's leading to this. But I also think that, um, that when you don't have someone saying, just stay inside, stay inside. And then, and we will do what South Korea did. Uh, it's already probably too late to do what South Korea did, but, uh, uh, we can do some of these things, but because there wasn't that. And because there are so many people just like your parents and just like my parents who are like, I don't, I mean, I can't stay in here for a week. Then that exact mindset, even if you're careful, we're all cutting it a little, right? We all know that what's that thing. What's that times piece that said, if everyone just froze in place for 14, days this thing would be gone yeah. everything would just be gone in 14 days but we're all like well yeah but we're i mean obviously we're not going to do that well then yeah. okay <laughs> well then then this is what happens when you don't obviously do that and i think that uh uh that that's that to me is the larger issue than when sports comes back that has to get resolved in a big way uh before we have any idea uh, uh when sports is going to come back I mean, as you, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. What do you, what sport do you think comes back first? Cause I still think it's the NBA. 
um uh i don't know i don't i don't think so because i don't i think if the nba i think if the nba can figure out a way to salvage their season yes but they're also one of the things that's in most danger of losing it yeah i don't think they're gonna go back to the season i just think they're gonna do some sort of playoff i i think they're gonna have some sort of yeah, I I, thought, I saw the John Hollinger thing, which I thought was really good. Uh, it also gave the Knicks a chance because the idea is that every, is a plan for everyone, so everyone yeah. gets playoffs. So, the idea of like Mitchell Robinson just going on a crazy tear and maybe hey, Barrett was looking good before. Like as a lead ball handler, he was looking pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, of course they were actually fun. They were playing together. And I love like the the funhouse mirror version of the '99 Sprewell <laughs> Knicks team that gets the that just goes nuts. Anyway, but um, so may, they're going to try it. I just think that they have a they've got a tight window because if I mean if this if we're ready to get back by June, I think they'll be fine. Are we going to be ready to get back by June? To me, that's the question. If if we are ready to get back by June, absolutely, I think it's the NBA. But if we're not, they're going to have to cash the season, and then they're not going to start again until November, which puts the NFL uh, ahead of them. So that, that to me, I think it's uh, – uh, it probably puts baseball ahead of them, to be honest, at that point. Um, uh, I, that, that, to me, if things go great – or at least hopefully halfway decent, it's the NBA. If they don't, it's the NFL. And if they go terribly, um, um, <laughs> I don't know what starts then. Maybe baseball next year. Uh, I don't know. No one's really talking about baseball right now. Like, I, I, at the very least, we know that the season's going to be shortened. Like, they're not going to make up those games. They're just going to drop some games. Yeah, I have. Uh, my, I was going to make my, my parents and I were going to make our first a trip to England because the Cardinals and Cubs are playing this year. It's going to be a big trip for my father's seventy uh, first birthday, and uh, that's uh, that's that's the next thing on the calendar. Uh, they mm-hmm. just canceled you know, canceled the Mexico games. The next thing is uh, the London games. I think, and that, those are, are middle of June, okay. middle of June. So mm. uh, it's tight, it's tight, but uh, that's the next thing. That's the next thing. Uh, and again, that's why one of the many, many reasons I'd like uh, my government to get its shit together and start taking this more seriously than they are. Because uh, not only do I you know, not want people to die, which is a weird thing to have to say, <laughs> that, that like, I disagree, sir. I think people should not die. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's a weird thing to even have to, to put out there. But also, like, sports are going to get back when that when this shit gets better and right now the shit's not getting better what do you think the cardinals are going to be this year like let's just pretend everything's fine the cardinals are starting in a couple weeks what are your expectations for the cardinals this year um i think the it's funny uh mark saxon from the uh, athletic the cardinals beat reporter actually wrote uh bless his heart he said yo actually if the season's delayed half a year it's actually quite helpful for the cardinals because they'll get michaelis back and jordan hicks back <laughs> and i was like well i love that that you're going there <laughs> that sounds great uh but uh i think that uh uh, one of the major things that was frustrating about the cardinals was uh i think dylan carlson is going to be terrific and uh they were going to play i think they were going to play service time games with him and i think that was going to cost them in a division where one or two games could make all the difference uh we'll see how the service time stuff gets kind of resolved but right now kind of feels like when the season starts he's in left field and uh that solves a lot of the cardinals problems to be honest because then they've got an extra outfielder there they don't have to rely on fowler or rely on o'neill to be great so uh for me that is uh the hope is I still feel like the Cubs are the best team in the division because um, we uh, kind of assumed that we assumed they were done, but they did not actually trade any of those people. We all thought they were going to trade. So uh, I still feel like the Cubs have the most talent. I think what you Darvish is the best pitcher in the division. And um, so I, I would still pick the Cubs at this point, but uh, who knows the way this season is going. It, it may end up turning out. Interesting. So you're not a Milwaukee Brewers believer at all. I'm, I never have been. I've obviously consistently wrong because they keep making the playoffs every year. I was going to say. Yeah. I, what do I, they have to do? Win uh, 90 games next year? Get, have like a starting pitcher and a half. A starting mm. pitcher and a half would be a start. That's not their brand though. Oh, did what? Did you see this? Syndergaard's getting Tommy John. This just broke. This just broke. Syndergaard is getting Tommy John. Man, we're never gonna get. We're never gonna see Syndergaard, the the guy we all thought we were gonna see. 
You know what's sad too is I was just um, talking with John Taylor from uh, Sports Illustrated last week about the AL East, and we were talking about somehow we got on, we sidetracked and talked about the Mets. Um, this team, if you look at their just uh, before the Syndergaard stuff, if you look at their rotation, you look at their lineups, you look at the pipeline, you look at who they sign, you look at their bullpen. Like there's an easy case of them winning the NL this year. Like if you look at it, if you forget the Metsy stuff. There is so much to like about that team. Oh, I picked. Yeah, I, I've yeah. actually I did pick them to win the division, but that's what I did not know that Syndergaard was was um, um, I did not know the Syndergaard was going to be out for the whole year. So yes, yeah, that's, that's not, not good. good. Um, but I want to pull up their rotate uh, the Brewers rotation. As you said that they have Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson. Good God. Shout out to him. He's yeah. only 32 somehow. I know. Brett I Anderson him. has been an MLB pitcher my entire life and is somehow only 32 years old. <laughs> um, Josh Lindblom and Eric Lauer. I don't know who Eric Lauer is. Hmm. So okay. Padre. Old Padre, maybe? Yeah. I think he was a first round pick for the Padres in 2016. Hmm. Yeah, nobody's homegrown. They don't develop their own pitchers. Their only homegrown guy is Woodruff, and he was an 11th round pick. None of them are high picks for them. None of them. And they have no farm system now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not betting against the Brewers. And I, I'm definitely not betting on the Cubs. The Cubs are just, there's too much weird energy in the Chris Bryant stuff. And I I don't know. I don't. And you know what? I'm still kind of mad at them that Chris Bryant's not a Brave right now. Still a little <laughs> mad. Understood. Understood. <laughs> not my thing. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Cardinals and I'm just thinking about the NL now. Now you have me on this whole like reevaluating the entire NL Central because I was very in on the Brewers and I was expecting you to go with me on the Brewers. And now that you've kind of talked me out of them, so I don't I don't really know. But it's also nice to just think about uh, baseball. Sports. Um, yes. Two last things before we go. And this is going to go college. Illinois, if they had made the, the big dance this year, as they would have, what would you have expected from them in the tournament? I mean, I would have expected at least one. I would expected a win. That would have been enough. Uh, just getting in was enough. It's been. They. I moved to Georgia in 2013, and Illinois has not made the tournament since then, which is very frustrating. Uh, so uh, I just wanted them to make it. Uh, I think. I think a win. I know some people. I see a lot of the simulations have them going to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. I get it. I think they had the tools to do that, and they were certainly hot at the end of the year. But it's still. I don't know. It still feels too early. It still feels it's as the tournament, you know, weird stuff happens all the time. Uh, one of my favorite Illini teams of all time lost to Austin P in the first round. I mean, like things happen. I would not expect anything other than I got to watch them in the tournament. And man, that, that, that was all I was wanting. It is crazy that they're just back now, kind of. Um, well, we'll see. They haven't got the tournament yet. That's <laughs> true. Should, well, it's it seems like Underwood's got it turned around. Right? Yeah, and, and they've got good recruits coming the next year. Yeah. It does, yeah, so I, I, agree. I agree. I'm hopeful, but until I see them in the tournament, I, I, won't, I won't believe it. Um, UGA football. They stole Cochran. That was the dumbest story I've seen <laughs> in sports for just the last six months. I was so angry. I think part of it was just living in Georgia and having so many Georgia friends, my family, and everything else. I'm an Auburn guy. I just, it's not, it's whatever, but like just the, we got the, we got Saban, like just the overreaction of getting the strength guy from Saban that he was shivering. I'm like, who cares? He's already done this for 15 years. Like he's right. What are you talking about? Like what, what you haven't won anything. He's, al- he's also not the strength guy at Georgia. Like the yeah. only reason they got him, it felt like a very trolling thing from yes. Smart to be just be like, you know what? I'm taking the guy that you guys like so much, which is fine. There, uh, there's value in that, but the idea of it felt like the type of thing that gets people on Twitter excited, but yes. doesn't actually make any difference. I I just I don't know. You do the the waiting since last Saturday podcast. I don't know if you saw from a lot of Georgia fans. They were just like, we got him. Like oh, it was yeah. just like a Bin Laden oh, yeah. thing where it's just like, we got him. And I'm like, what are we talking about here? I don't understand. He's the strength and conditioning coach. Great. Can you beat Alabama once? How about that? And remember, he's not the strength and conditioning yeah, coach. He's special teams coach here yeah. now. Like, yeah. So like, like I, not that I don't like the idea of having to have two people to drag Kirby Smart's belt so he does not run on the field. But uh, uh, yeah, it seems a bit much. Yeah. Do you think they break through this year with Newman? Uh, no, I don't. I don't either. I don't. I don't. Too much change. Uh, that like they're going to an air raid. I think Kirby's going to hate it. 
I, I don't think this is going to go as smoothly. Also, the third, the third game of the year is at Alabama. <laughs> so, like, I think it's kind of been forgotten that, like, they play at Alabama this year, like, in September. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, – I think uh, – I don't think they're quite there yet, no. No, I don't either. Um, all right, Will. Well, this has been great. I appreciate the time. This was, this was a lot of fun. I feel better about sports in life now. I oh, think uh, hopefully we incur. This was mostly an optimistic podcast, right? Like we, we're not. I don't know. Now I'm talking myself out of it. I think Ask in a of, couple of weeks. Ask in a couple of weeks where I am. But yeah, now now I still think uh, I perhaps foolishly still think in the in the humans better better natures and uh, and better and better good. I I, I envy you. I'm going the other way. I think this is going to get really weird really fast next week, and I'm not ready for any of it. Um, but all I can encourage the listeners, uh, stay off Twitter as much as you can. Don't watch those press conferences if you can avoid them. And uh, just do what you can. Read a book. Do, whatever, do anything other than those two things. Because learn guitar. Things... If you have no kids, learn guitar. That's what I recommend for everyone to do. I, I would totally guitar. I'm left-handed, and it just doesn't work. Guitar is not my thing. I can't either. I have no musical talent at all. <laughs> I don't either. Like it's, <laughs> it would be, and I'm also at the age now where it'd just be too frustrating where I'd just throw it away and be like, no, I'm not going to spend hours and hours like figuring this out and being bad at something. What do you mean? Be bad at something? No. I got enough um, I'm good. All right, well, well, is there anything you would like to share before we get out of here? Just, uh, just go, go read the newsletter. The newsletter sums up what I'm doing. I'll be sending out after this podcast, actually, so you'll know when I sent that out. But uh, I think it's, it's helping people. Everyone should send me your stories. It's at williamfleach at yahoo.com. I think there's a lot of good stories to share, uh, and I think it's helping people, as I hope so. There you go. Uh, will, always a pleasure. I will talk to you soon. Of course. Be safe, man. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. For as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. You could go to Chase Thomas podcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever um, links to everything that you need um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.